You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Everybody and welcome to issue 54 of the Comic Book Informer. We are coming to you on Wednesday, November 23rd, 2011, day before America, well, American Thanksgiving at least. Uh, you guys had yours, what, like three months ago or something? Well, not quite that long ago, but yeah, a while back we did. <laughs> we have ours during better weather, <laughs> so it's a lot funner. You can have a barbecue during yours. Well, when I say you, I mean us. We can have barbecues and it's, it's far more pleasant to sit outside. Well, you only have about that two-week period in between. Winters. That's the thing. Dude, there's a mountain full of snow out there that dropped last night. <laughs> now, you see, I live in that uh, wonderful place where I could yeah, have yeah, a barbecue yeah. for Thanksgiving anyway. Yeah, but you suck. <laughs> Listen, it's the one thing I got going for me, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we won't ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get to the actual comics this week, we have a couple news items to discuss. And we got we're something else, too. Good- Oh, yes, you have a big announcement. Dude, That's we right. got to do this first. It's important. Yeah. Because for all of our fans, you know, what's better than owning a comic book? Getting one for free. What's better than getting a free comic? Getting a free hardcover comic. What's better than that is getting a free signed hardcover comic? And that is what we are doing. We've actually got a promotion that we're going to be doing for a Christmas giveaway for one lucky listener. It's going to be our our very Mayberry Christmas <laughs> gift <laughs> that we're going to do. And basically... Jonathan Mayberry has been kind enough that he is going to donate one of his books, hardcover copies of Marvel Universe versus Wolverine, and it's going to be signed by the gentleman himself, and he will send it to the winner. This is absolutely fantastic, and what we're going to do is we're going to run this promotion for a couple of weeks, and then the week after that, we will announce the winner. By the time you get it through the mail, you're looking at it very close to Christmas. So basically, what I'd like you to do is send an email to contest at comicbookinformer.com or leave a comment in the show notes for this episode as well as for next episode. Tell us any comic books that we put you onto that you otherwise may not have given a shot to. Or if you point blank disagreed with some of what we said, let us know. I just want to hear some of what you guys are experiencing from us. And then, like I said, in not next week, but the week after, we'll announce who the winner is. That is awesome. How can I win it? Uh, dude, I seriously, I <laughs> part of me wanted to say, Psst, send two, okay? I'll two? Sh- <laughs> well, okay, maybe three. <laughs> I'm sorry, up. I wasn't thinking about you at the time. I just wanted one for me. <laughs> That's perfectly understandable. All right, well, now moving on to our news, and we're going to start with the good news. We got some cool stuff coming up from DC. Starting in February, there is a new comic coming out called... Batman Beyond Unlimited. And this is very exciting to us because we absolutely loved the Batman Beyond comic that was coming out before the new 52 relaunch. And they always said, it'll be back. It's just on a hiatus. We're giving all of our number ones you know, our time right now. But what's making Batman Beyond Unlimited so different is it's actually a collection of two other comics, Batman Beyond and Justice League Beyond, that are going to be published digitally first – and then coming to print. And first of all, I'm really excited that we're getting more Batman Beyond, as well as expanding the universe of Justice League. And I like that DC's trying out new things with the digital format. Now, of course, price point is still going to be a major concern here. Uh, but overall, uh, I'm liking the strategy. What do you think? Okay, let me ask you, though. You're saying that there's only actually going to be 
one new series and it's going to be a combination of them both? Because I thought it the, was two series. The two series being published digitally are going to be full 22 whatever page issues coming out as one double issue in print. Really? Okay. Yes. See, I didn't read that. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, well, okay. In terms of content, dude, obviously, I... I, I've never hidden my love of Batman Beyond in, in whether it's a, an animated series or the mini series that were out a while back. There were only a couple of the issues that were out in the last run that I wasn't as crazy about, but the, the IP as a whole, I absolutely love all of the characters and I love the spin on Wayne that you get that you don't otherwise get because he's always that young playboy. So I, I really absolutely love the series and I love the Beyond series as well. When we saw that Superman Beyond, dude, oh, I man. love that. I thought it was fantastic. And as for these new um, Justice League kids, essentially, well, they're not kids, all of them, but the, the new Justice League ones, I, from what little we got to see of them in the last run of Batman Beyond, they seem like pretty interesting characters. There were a couple that were a little too much of the stereotypical stoic character, so I wasn't as crazy about them. And then you got the angry Hawkman wannabe kind of thing. But overall, the, the character interactions were, were interesting, and you can see how those interactions with, um, with uh, what's his name? What's his name? Damn it. You <laughs> know, know where I'm you're talking. Going. The, the kid, uh, McGinnis. Um, so the interactions with McGinnis were were cool. They were very nice in, in the same way that the interactions between Wayne and McGinnis make the series. And one thing I did take out about this, though, is that it seems like they're putting a hold on that whole tying it in with the regular continuity thing that they were trying with the previous version of beyond Thank and honestly God. yeah that's not a bad thing considering that right now we're not even sure what batman's continuity is Batman, <laughs> anybody's continuity yeah. still is up in the air so uh, yeah I, i'm a much bigger fan of good storytelling than i am of uh, continuity see i would prefer if they took the entire beyond um universe essentially and made it its own like the ultimate universe in marvel Mm -hmm. Just make it something that's completely in and of itself. Don't worry about the continuity from stuff beyond. I mean, try to work with it, but nothing like what we saw when they butchered some of the episodes just to make sense of what was going on in the old Batman. And I think that if they, they opened it up to include a beyond a whole bunch of beyond titles, much again, much like again, the, the ultimate universe, I think that would really do very well. Yeah, I, there's there's a lot of potential there, and I hope this strategy works out uh, overall just because it's giving us more beyond. Yep, I agree. And then as for the bad news, Marvel, I don't want to say they're not doing too good because they're still a very, very, very profitable company. But DC is absolutely trashing them in the sales numbers right now due to the new 52 relaunch. Um, I, what is it? Like seven of the top ten comics last month were all DC. Now, a couple things to consider with that. First of all. Uh, that's just what has been shipped to stores. It doesn't show actual sales. And second of all, DC is offer, offering 100% buyback on all of their new 52 titles right now. So if a comic shop orders 100, only sells 20, they can send 80 of them back. So the numbers might not be completely accurate, but still numbers are important, as we've seen in a, a lot of our online games that we play. Yeah, but it's still, it's, it's, it's point blank not accurate, though. That's the mm -hmm. problem with it. And because by doing that, they're tricking 
the industry into thinking that they're doing a lot better than what they actually are. I'm sorry, dude. I go into my comic book shop. There's still tons of the new 52s that aren't selling. Yeah. So either way, Marvel is under a bit of pressure right now to really perform. And instead of growing their brand and trying out new things like we're seeing with DC, Marvel's decided to be more profitable simply by cutting costs. And this started about a month ago when uh, we started hearing about a whole line of layoffs coming from Marvel. Fired a lot of members of their editorial and production staffs, uh, most notably uh, two longtime editors with the company, uh, Jody LaHoop, who is responsible for work such as Uncanny X-Force, X-Factor, and the Wolverine family of books. And please do not underestimate what an editor does for a title, as well as Alejandro Arbona, who's done uh, Invincible Iron Man and a whole bunch of tie-in stuff, including one of our recent favorites, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu. So that's two very talented, very important people to what the company has been doing in recent years that they had to let go, not due to performance reasons, but entirely cost cutting. And that really hurts. I don't think I think you 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 don't mean to say that they had to. They did, but they didn't have yeah, to. Yeah, there's I, a, yeah. a lot of other things that they could have done. And some of this is definitely got to be coming down from Disney as well and not just from Marvel. I understand mm-hmm. what they're saying here about Isaac and, and, uh, and how he wants to trim it down and things like that and think only in terms of business. But. It, some of it has to still be coming down from from Disney as well. So, and that's it's very disappointing. But it was one of those things where we, you could kind of see the writing there when the when they got bought out. It was one of those, yeah, that's definitely going to have an impact on the Marvel that we knew, and we're seeing that. And in addition to the layoffs, we also have a whole bunch of cancellations that have been announced in recent weeks. Perhaps uncoincidentally, a lot of cancellations for books that used to be edited by these two editors. Uh, just a quick run down the list of just this is just the most popular ones. There's a lot of other B-list titles and comics that were announced and were being worked on that have just flat up been canceled before they even had a chance. Uh, we have Ghost Rider. It's only had five issues come out. I don't understand how you can cancel a comic after only five issues, not really giving it a chance. Well, see, the thing with that, too, that I think is, like you're saying, you're not giving it a chance. You're not giving it a chance while it's competing in a time when it's competing with a huge story arc that's going on with Fear Itself. So, like, some of the titles... Some of the episodes, some of the ish. Yes, folks, we are both medicated right now because we both have a cold <laughs> and flu and stuff. So bear with us, all right? But some of the issues were tie-ins for Fear Itself, and sometimes the tie-ins don't do quite as well. And when you're looking at a big um, story arc that's going on, sometimes the folks will put their money in that story arc instead of trying something new. So I don't think it's fair on those those series. Yeah, and, and you look at that. Uh that link I gave you for the sales data, yep. the Fear Itself series itself sold very well. But none of the tie-ins had what nope. you would call good sales numbers. And unfortunately, they relaunched Ghost Rider as a Fear Itself tie-in when I think it tied in for about a total of five pages over the course of four issues. And I, I was really enjoying the comic too, so that that really bothers me. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I'm far more bothered, about, especially one of the other titles, But uh, but yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Our next two, X-23 and Doc and Dark Wolverine. You said you've been really liking, uh, not really liking, but X-23 is moving in a good direction for you. I've checked out Dokken recently, too, and while I still wouldn't say it's a good comic, it is also moving in that good direction itself. I have not 
caught up with Doc and point blank. I've got too many other series, which I yeah. know are good that need to be read that I'm not wasting my time currently on that. And quite frankly, there won't be much point soon. However, X-23 always has been my little darling. And so I did always stay caught up with her. I, I, I recently read, well, there was a couple that I hadn't read and I've been loving the stuff that's been going on with the, um, um, the interactions with FF. And especially with, well, I shouldn't say especially, but with Spider-Man in there as well, but especially actually with Sue and with the kids, the last, uh, the last issue was her babysitting the kids and it's, it was just really, really good. I had my problems with it initially, some of it, although some of the issues I thought were very, very strong. Some of them, not quite as much, but as a whole, it was definitely very enjoyable and it was really ramping up to be something that was more than what I thought it would originally be because you could see how they were trying to now take the time to integrate the character into the Marvel universe with all of the other characters. And that's what makes that character so much stronger. And then not to say anything bad about like the writing was good. It was getting much better, but dude, the art in that was among the best art that I've seen in comics. It's incredible. All right. And then beyond that, we have uh, Iron Man 2.0, which I can't really uh, say I'm surprised there. The comic was boring. And honestly, for a comic that's about War Machine, Rhodey wasn't even in some of the issues at all. <laughs> uh, Black Panther, which, as we learned from talking with Jonathan Mayberry, regardless of how good the writing is on Black Panther, it's not a very popular comic in sales numbers. And Alpha Flight, which. Much like them. Yeah. No, no big loss. <laughs> yeah, honestly, dude, dude, Chris, I'm a Canadian. <clears throat> even I think that. Yeah, and uh, now, in defense, all of these comics had what would be considered low sales numbers by Marvel standards. So, it's not like they're cutting out, you know, a really popular comic. You know, these things just aren't moving the way Marvel would like them to. So, I, I can understand that. But one thing I really notice as I'm looking at this list is over the past, you know, couple months now. We've been talking about diversity in comics and how Marvel has been doing so many things better than their competition. As you look here, you have Ghost Rider and X-23, both featuring female leads. And then you have Dokken, Iron Man 2.0, and Black Panther, all featuring minority characters as their leads. So those are all being canceled. So I, I don't know what to say about that. And meanwhile, they're giving us yet another X-Men title instead. So I to to a certain degree I I have to appreciate the mentality of give the audience what it wants and obviously people do want more X Men because they are doing well all the X titles are doing well but that's also because they're putting a lot of their heavy hitters on those titles so of course they're going to be doing well when you've got your best writers working on those X titles you're going to be putting out quality contents likewise with the best artists same thing with the Spider Man stuff I mean you're going to shoot the the fantastic artists and writers together you're going to do well in sales especially if you have some good story arcs I I'm which isn't to take away from the people working on the other ones. But I think that, I just think that they could have done more to try to save these titles, to work harder on them instead of trimming them. There's, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of crap that they could be trimming that, that isn't this. Mm -hmm. And this also makes me a little worried about some of my favorite titles who are right in that same sales range, notably 
Thunderbolts and X Factor, both comics I really enjoy, among my favorites every month, and they're right around the same sales numbers all these others were doing. Uh, the only thing I can think that would save those two is that they have been very consistent. Um, X Factor, yeah, it sells about twenty to twenty-five thousand copies every month, but that's been every month for the last four years. So they know what they're what they're going to get out of that. Uh, Thunderbolts is about the same. Now I, I'm assuming a lot of these they saw you know trends with something that started you know say fifty thousand and is now it's down to twenty-five. I can see that as a, as a downward sales trend and maybe not something you'd want to continue putting money into. But I, I have to say I am worried about some of my favorite comics right now. Uh, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I The thing that I'm seeing, too, is a lot more of the mentality of the not hanging on to established titles, because we're seeing a lot of that, and just giving us a ton more miniseries and things like that. And and though I'm not going to say that that's a bad thing, because that all those number ones keep bringing people in, there is something to be said about working towards establishing a title. And... I, maybe there were a lot more that were on the chopping block and these are just the ones that we're hearing about and the other ones, you know, we're giving a, a second chance. And if that's the case, then, then fine. I understand that it is a harder time, especially with the digital, what they're doing and what they're trying to do. All right, I, I'm willing to give them some leeway, but again, it, it is still disappointing. Yeah, we're going to have to see where things go from here, but uh, not uh, not a happy time to be involved with Marvel. No. But anyway, we're going to talk about some happy Marvel stuff. And we're starting off with uh, a huge title that just premiered, Avenging Spider-Man number one. Ever since this was first announced, it's been my most anticipated comic of the year because it has two good talents working on it. First of all, Zeb Wells, the writer, who has written some of the best Spider-Man stories in the last couple of years. You look back through the whole uh, brand new daytime, everything he wrote there was fantastic. And Joe Madrera who a lot of comic fans may not recognize the name because he hasn't done much of anything over the last decade. Uh, he was very, very important to the X-Men comics uh, in the 90s. Uh, the whole Age of Apocalypse aesthetic was essentially his design. And then he kind of went off, did his own thing. But he's one of those artists that takes a long time to draw things. So when you start missing your deadlines, you're not going to really do too well selling comics. But then again, he moved over and started really doing other things, most notably designing everything from the Darksiders video games, which that has a great aesthetic to it. And this is his big return to comics. And that's what really excited me about this because, man, I love that guy's art style. It, you know, there's there's a few of them that have that similar type of art style. And I, it's it's one of my favorite in comic books. I just absolutely love it. And yeah, he knocked it out of the park in this issue. Yeah, I mean, that the one scene where they first land in New York and you have Hulk, just massive brick wall Hulk and, you know, Spidey doing his thing. That one panel is just like a panel. It's almost a whole page. That is just a great look. And that that's how I like my comic books to look. I like it, too, that he's not making um, Spider-Man the the large muscular character that you see a lot of other artists right now are doing. They're making Parker pretty freaking hunky. And I liked... I like the, the little guy, the little Parker, the guy who's scrawny, but that's impossible to kill. And that still has a lot of, of power. So I really, really like what he does with that character a lot. 
And it's very stylized. I mean, there's some scenes there where you're like, how do his arms hold up the weight? They're so skinny. But but it, it works. It, it works. doesn't have to be photorealistic to be a good artwork. Uh, but tied with that, you have a very fun story. Zeb Wells just writes a great Spider-Man. Uh, you, you have it starts off with this whole chaos with the Avengers and just Spidey being completely left out of the battle because what's he going to do against a 300 foot tall robot? And just all, all those cool little things. And the comic for me was just a good sequence of just great moments. You know, all the Avengers saying not it for taking him home <laughs> <laughs> or the incoming thing with the birds or, or the stuff with uh, Jonah. <laughs> He's like, I'll go rescue Jonah. Parker, I'm going to make you pay for this. All right, we'll get back to him later. Just those great quintessential spidey moments really made the comic for me yeah i yeah the stuff with jonah with the uh the gun to the flare gun and you thought i was crazy <laughs> when i said i wanted real bullets <laughs> but but yeah no the 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 writing throughout was fun and that and that's that's the key right there and the fact that they're planning that for the length of the series just fun adventures and, and you know nothing too thought-provoking just a good adventure action adventure and they they knocked it out and to the point too where they, he did such a good job with the writing that you care about the story. You want to know where it's going. It's got a fantastic cliff end. So, I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing this series continue, especially knowing that it's it's going to have a lot of other people with him and that it's not going to get stale because it's always the same people. Yeah, and it, that that's a great point. Not every comic needs to be X-Force. It doesn't have to have that deep, involved storytelling. A comic is allowed to simply be fun and that's what this is it's it's this it's the spiritual successor to the old marvel team-up comics which were essentially spider-man and somebody else just about every issue because spidey is the perfect team-up partner it's either spidey or wolverine that you team somebody up with them and you have the foundations right there of a good comic yep i agree that's actually i, I would say that more so spider-man than wolverine just because of his character type and mm -hmm. it makes for such witty dialogue regardless of who he's with yeah, Hulk doesn't even have to say much, yeah. and it's still great. It's still a great exchange between the two. Uh, one thing to point out here, uh, as I said earlier, Joe Madrera, it takes him a long time to deliver artwork of this quality. So he cannot do a monthly comic book. It's just something he's never been able to do in his career. Understanding this, Marvel is doing their tactic of trading off artists. Madrera is going to be doing the bulk of the work in this comic, but for certain story arcs, they're going to be bringing in other artists to do, you know, the fill-in issues. And some news outlets took this as a huge surprise when uh, Marvel solicited issue four with a different artist and goes, oh, Joe Madrera is already off Avenging Spider-Man. Well, you read the, the, you know, the back page of the issue and it tells you right there he's not going to be drawing every issue so just keep that in mind uh, especially when the first villain artist is somebody I personally can't stand uh, not every issue is going to have artwork like this but I, I would assume the storytelling will at least be pretty decent through them all yeah yeah for sure it's it's too bad that they aren't able to match you know when they're when they're starting a new series like this handpick artists whose styles are very similar still they don't have to be yeah. exactly similar but there are several other ones like um See, and my, again, I'm blaming the meds Like here. the stuff we've been seeing in X-Force. Well, actually, They're no. similar, but not the same. No, I would say the stuff that we've been seeing in the um, the uh, Ultimate X-Men right now that's going mm -hmm. on, and I have one right behind me. I just, I can't reach it. <laughs> and the stuff <laughs> that, uh, that was uh, Spider Island. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I blame the meds for not knowing the names here, folks. I'll have it in the show notes. But if they could group those type of artists together, that their styles are all very similar, I think it would be a lot less jarring issue to issue. 
Yeah, or even Daredevil, uh, Paolo Rivera and Marcos Martin. While neither of us liked it, they're at least similar. And we're not getting that here between Joe Madrera and Greg Land, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, well, moving on to another big issue uh, Marvel put out, well, two of them now, we had a relaunch of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, a while back, we talked about Planet Hulk because that was the uh, start of Greg Pak's you know, big run because at that same time, that's when Greg Pak's run on Incredible Hulk was ending. And over the course of that five, six years, I really, really started to like the Hulk, a character who had never really done much for me previously. So now we get the relaunch uh, with uh, Jason Aaron being the writer, uh, Jason Aaron behind Wolverine and the new Wolverine and the X-Men, and Mark Silvestri doing the artwork, who was another blast back from the 90s. Um, and this, again, it has that stylized artwork. And while you might not be crazy about the Hulk's character design, it, the, the overall comic, again, still had a great aesthetic. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Jesus, it looks fantastic. Really, really, every single page sucks you right in. And the story is really quite good. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jason Aaron has a, a cool story starting off here. I mean, we get uh, the comic beginning with, uh, you know, Hulk, Defender of the Moloids. And when did the Moloids become the most popular yeah. characters in <laughs> comics? <laughs> And, you know, just him finding his new place in the world, you know, the same Hulk story we've seen over and over again. But we start to realize something is different here. There's no Banner. Hulk has somehow separated himself from Banner. And I like that they keep teasing that throughout the entire you know, two issues that we've seen so far that I'm hoping that it's going to be worth all the teasing when it finally is revealed how and why that happened. I agree. Yeah, it's they're they're building on the suspense really well. Yeah. And <laughs> with Hulk starting his own life separate and, and all that. Banner has gone completely off the deep yeah, end. That's <laughs> crazy is what he is. <laughs> as, as the, uh, I don't even know what her name was, the woman from the special ops force that's trying to bring Hulk in to help describes him. He's gone all Dr. Moreau on us. He's doing these insane experiments trying to recreate the Hulk because he realizes that the Hulk has essentially been the only thing he's accomplished in his life for good or for bad. And the, the, the scene where he's in his lab talking about the experiments he's done over the last couple months, it's insane. The guy, the guy is completely off his rocker. The, the only problem is, and maybe it, this started kind of occurring in the, the Hulk series as it was going on before this kind of thing, or if it's just a, a launch with completely new kind of take on this, but it, it just seems like he, he, he kind of lost it and it's coming out of nowhere because I never did see Banner as being that frail, mentally frail. You know what I mean? Well, and this is just like, he lost it. It's, it's gone. <laughs> uh, of the things established throughout Pac's run was that the, the Hulk wasn't a separate personality as a lot of people always thought he was, or it was even written as. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things Pac established was Hulk was merely an expression of Banner's you know, inner self. And yeah, they did this whole thing about the one time in his life Banner lost his temper. He killed his own father. Whereas meanwhile, with all the rampages the Hulk has gone on, there have been no casualties. Uh, sure, tons of property destruction, but nobody has ever actually been killed by one of the Hulk's rampages. It's actually the Hulk that had held Banner back from all the years. It, it was a very interesting twist. And there was a, a time uh, right around when the Red Hulk thing was starting up where Banner – didn't lose his Hulk powers, but he couldn't access them. It was his whole big thing. And he started going around with his son, Scar. And this was a really dark version of Banner that we saw during this time. So it, it is kind of in tune with what we've seen over the last couple of years. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm going to have to read those then because it's, it's 
it'll be it'll make more sense. Yeah, there, there's a there's a great uh, issue during that whole uh, non-Hulk phase where Banner essentially sets up a play date between Scar and Dokken. <laughs> and then him and Wolverine are like across the street watching. It's just it's fun. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, so we get this whole big battle going on. We we find out about the Mad Squad, basically Marvel's uh, group of people trained to take down mad scientists. And I hope we see more of these guys because they're absolutely crazy but endearing. Uh, when she's describing the brain thing, yeah. like we're not sure how it works, <laughs> but we go with it. We don't ask questions. And then you finish the issue with a bunch of gamma powered sharks. It's freaking great. It was. It was. And and I do hope that those characters actually stay in there for a while. And by the look of it, they probably will. Mm-hmm. And, and then you get that old uh, tried and true Hulk story of somebody's going to go mess with Hulk's friends and that's not going to end well for anyone. But it, while, while we've been there before, we know it's also an entertaining ride on the way there. Yep. yep. So really, really enjoying these two new comics from Marvel. As long as they don't get canceled, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're looking to be enjoying them for, for a time to come. So well, I doubt that Spider-Man will be canceled because it's got Avengers Avenging in the title and it's got Spider-Man in the title. So it's probably safe. For now, yeah, <laughs> we, they might keep moving that cutoff line a little higher. But anyway, uh, on to what we're reading. Unfortunately, I haven't been reading much of anything lately because I've either been working or sleeping. But that's fine because uh, you had a lot you wanted to say about Ultimate Spider-Man. I do, but before I do, just to show you that I'm not brain dead, it was Ramos I was thinking about and Paco Medina. Put those two suckers, yeah. with the artist that's working on Avenging Spider-Man. Now, dude, you've oh, lock and load. You're good to go. Okay, I wanted to talk, yeah, about, um, I've been reading a lot of other stuff lately, but it was that freaking Ultimate Spider-Man number four that I just absolutely loved. And before the relaunch and um, shortly thereafter with it, well, mainly just with issue one, like we were talking about it and I was having a hard time with the concept of the relaunch and everything. And uh, and of course it's a marketing thing and, and, and whatnot, but it's been the kid's grown on me, especially his buddy. His buddy's grown on me <laughs> like a bad fungus. He, <laughs> he makes the comic. He does, yeah. and so and you need that. You need those those characters that bring in the the, the levity, and that do so in a way that is still endearing, and that you want to see them in the, in the comic book. And I think that we're not actually getting enough of that in a Spider-Man title right now because that's typically Spider-Man. So this being somebody else, I like that and. I liked issue four because it directly tied into the death of Spider-Man. And that was superbly cool. It was so well done. So you've got the kid that is now has seen Spider-Man Parker die. And cause he actually went there and saw it. And then you see him going to the funeral and talking to Gwen. And, and that was, that was powerful. That was really well done. And he used those moments that were powerful in the funeral as well, wherein um, Aunt May is talking to the little girl who'd gotten burned and whatnot. But he he didn't use it in such a way to evoke that emotional response again, that 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 little tear that you might you might say, no, no, I didn't cry reading a Spider-Man when in fact you did. <laughs> it was just in the background. And to make it authentic that yes, he's there now and he's trying to get a handle on whether or not he should do this. And if it's in bad taste and, and whatnot, and it was really, really cool. And it, it finally gave credibility to the character and why he's doing it. Because up until then there was no credibility to why would he still want to be the next Spider-Man? It just, it, 
it was too strained for me. Whereas now, having seen this and having seen that impact, and of course, he, they make sure to ram down your throat the old with great power thing, but... It's done in a way that I can accept, and it was enough that, again, you can buy it then. It's like, okay, yeah, no, now I can see him wanting to to do it justice. Very, very cool. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting them to do the whole uh, time shift thing. From what, from what we knew uh, through the first two issues, I think it was, we thought it was all taking place after the death of Spider-Man. And then I think it was issue three when we finally realized, no, it was taking place w- while, while he was still an active hero. I thought that was a really cool twist. And that just like you, it really drew me into the story as far as his motivations. Really, really enjoying that. And awesome ending. I'm not going to blow it, but you can see how he's going to have to prove himself now in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. And so that was kind of cool. And I like that as well. I, it is a series that is really winning me over. I'm enjoying the writing as well. The art is phenomenal. So as long as they can keep that up, yeah, they've got me. I'll, I'll keep buying it. Okay. So moving on to today's new releases from Marvel, we have Annihilators Earthfall number three, Astonishing X-Men number 44, which is the first issue with Greg Pak as the writer. Fantastic Four number 600. Yeah, apparently the um, FF uh, comics have been counted towards that 600 number. I knew it! <laughs> For, but uh, from what I understand, they're going to be carrying on both comics now, just kind of telling different stories with each one. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. They from just what I've heard, couldn't cancel From what it. I've heard, this issue is phenomenal. I don't care if it's phenomenal. Ah. Invincible Iron Man number 510, Secret Avengers number 19, Vengeance number 5, and Wolverine and the X-Men number 2, as well as the trade paperback version of 5 Ronin. And if you didn't pick it up in single issues, if you didn't pick it up in hardcover, you are now out of excuses. Buy it. All right. On DC, we've got Aquaman number 3, Diablo number 1, which is based on the Blizzard game franchise. And we've really enjoyed what uh, the DC publishers have done with the World of Warcraft franchise. So high hopes for this one. Flash number 3, Green Lantern New Guardians number 3, Hellblazer number 285, Justice League Dark number 3, Scalped number 54, Shade number two and the hardcover edition of Batman the Black Mirror. Uh, what that is, is it's the post or I'm sorry, the pre relaunch uh, detective comics, which I'd heard good things about, never quite checked out. But they were written by Scott Snyder, who's now writing the actual Batman comic. And as good as that is, Ooh. I'm definitely interested in what's going on here. Yeah, the new Batman stuff has been real. The stuff with the owls. Oh, that's oh, yeah. been fantastic. Oh, yeah. And then just to round out the list from Boom Comics, we have Incorruptible number 24. So that wraps us up here on issue 54 of the Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And what was that email address again for the contest? You can either leave a comment on the show notes page that's going to be up once this episode is out. And or you can send an email to contest at comicbookinformer.com. Guys, let me tell you, if uh, nobody really wants it, uh, we're going to have to get into a fist fight over who gets that signed. I know where it's going. If nobody wants it, I know where it's going. (laughs) (laughs) I, in fact, just in case nobody says anything, I made a space in my shelf right beside my Punisher one, just in case. (laughs) You're a jerk. Okay. Anyway, we'll see everybody next week.